Get ready, Avalanche territory. It's now time for the Mile High Hockey Podcast with Mike Evans on your home for the most Avalanche content. Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Hello again, everyone, and welcome into the Mile High Hockey Podcast. Host Mike Evans, great to have you with us as we chop up all things Avalanche and the NHL. Since we last spoke, the Avalanche have played three games. A 2-1 shootout loss to the Rangers, a 3-2 overtime win over the Blues, and a 3-2 win over the Flyers. Notice a theme in all three of those games. Low scoring, tight, close games. And I think that is the state of the Avalanche right now. These are your Colorado Avalanche, at least until they become whole again, until they get everybody back and everybody is playing at uh, peak performance, I think as you see some guys come back into the lineup, work their way back in, and we wait for more guys to come back, then I think you're going to see a different style of play from the Avalanche. It's going to have to be that way. You're going to see games that are not as wide open. You're going to see games that are tighter checking, lower scoring, more of an emphasis on defense, more of an emphasis on goaltending and ways you're going to have to win. Plus, you add in the fact that the Avalanche, because they are the defending Stanley Cup champs, because teams, especially when the Avs are at home, a lot of these teams are going to come in here feeling like they are outgunned, and they're going to just try to play a boring, conservative, uh, muck-it-up type road game. And I thought we saw it the other night when Philadelphia came into town. That's exactly the way they wanted to play. They put a, a moat, a wall up in front of their goaltender. They blocked 20 shots. The Avs that night blocked 10. And it was just, hey, we're going we're gonna to turn this into a rock fight. And we're going to try to get a few opportunities here and there, score a couple of goals, and we're going to try to keep it close. We're going to try to shorten the game, try to steal a point, try to get the game in overtime, whatever. And, and that's the way things, I think, are going to play out for the Avalanche for the time being. And the good news is... In that stretch of three games that I'm talking about, out of a potential six points, they came away with five. So it shows that this team is capable of winning a different way. Not that they had to prove it. They want, they proved that last year. But I think it's just a reminder that, especially as they go through this whole process of trying to repeat as defending champs, you're, you're, you're going to play a, a lot of games like that. And if you can show that you can play that way and still win, hey, that's that's a that's a nice uh, thing to know and have in your your reservoir, your your resume, your your memory bank that this is the kind of game that you can play and win. Some other takeaways from these these games, uh, last couple of games with Pavel Fransos between the pipes, man, love that guy, love that guy. We continue to talk about him. And I, I, I really, I, I've seen a lot of backup goalies come and go throughout the years here in Denver. And this guy is one of the best uh, when it comes to just understanding his role and being called upon and just, what do you need? What do you need? You need me to start a couple games in a row? Fine. You need me to be a spot starter? Fine. You need me to go two weeks in between playing? Fine. You need me to start a bunch of playoff games because the other guy is hurt or not playing well? Fine. Uh, he, he just 
is perfect for this role. And, hey, maybe he has visions of grandeur somewhere else and believes that if given the chance to be the number one guy, he could be the number one guy. But he knows what his role is. He's comfortable with it. He embraces it. And, boy, does he perform well in it. So wanted to give a shout-out to uh, to Frankie, who uh, continues to excel in that role. I, I think another takeaway from the games, and, and I go back to the Flyers game, that the Avs won three to two, and you see you see the performance of JT Comfer, who had a goal and an assist in that game. And if if you're looking at the big storyline around this team, and I've talked about this in in past podcasts, but I'll add to it a little bit more, is if there's a storyline right now to be watching here in December into January, is are these young players? How do they embrace? How do they take advantage? Step up, take advantage of the roles that they've been given and the opportunity to do more. And you look at a guy like JT Confer who got to play second line center the other night and he embraced it. He played well. And and this was just after, by the way, a couple weeks ago, we were on this podcast, Matt Smith was joining me and we were saying how JT needed to pick up his game. And I don't know, maybe the power of the mile high hockey podcast. I don't know what it was, but uh, Confer has been playing better. It's important because it impacts what the Avalanche are going to do at the trade deadline, when they're going to do it, maybe even before the trade deadline, and just how big of a swing are they going to take at the trade deadline. I thought it was very interesting. Our buddy Adrian Dater from ColoradoHockeyNow.com, our Avalanche insider on the fan, and uh, many-time contributor to this podcast, he reported last week that there were over a dozen scouts at the Blues Avalanche game. Not there to look at the Avs, but to look at the Blues. And there is just this growing sense around the NHL that this edition of the Blues has run its course. They've gone as far as they can go with it, and it needs to be broken up. And they need to reboot, rebuild, whatever. And there are some very attractive pieces that could be out there to be had in trades. Uh, Tarasenko is one of them. But the the one that interests me the most, Ryan O'Reilly. And let me just be the first to say right here, I would love, love, welcome a Ryan O'Reilly Avalanche reunion. Now, I know, I know, for some of you, Ryan O'Reilly puts a sour taste in your stomach and you just don't like the idea of Ryan O'Reilly. He wanted out of here. He's a traitor. He turned his back on the Avalanche. He wanted out. And the last thing we want is him back. Ironically enough, he's in the last year of that seven-year contract that he got, that he didn't get from the Avalanche, that he got from Buffalo, and now it's wrapping up in uh, St. Louis. He's 31 years old, played a lot of hockey. This guy's been around a long time. So that's the kind of player you're looking at. Now, first of all, bygones are bygones as far as I'm concerned. That That's ancient history, whatever happened uh, seven years ago. I do not carry a grudge. And I honestly, I never really carried a grudge in the first place. The guy wanted to get paid. Guy wanted to get paid. Guy had a market value. He wanted to get paid. And he would have preferred to have it here. But the Avalanche at that time had made a clear decision. They didn't want anybody to make more money than Matt Duchesne. Talk about somebody you like to have back. Would you rather have had Ryan O'Reilly long-term moving forward or Matt Duchesne? Enough said. So, I I don't begrudge these guys 
they, they want to make money. They want to get paid. They want to capitalize. You would do the same thing if you were in their situation. Don't lie. You'd want to max out uh, the deal that you got as well. So I, hey, man, it, it's life's too short. Sports is a business at the end of the day. If you think I'm going to sweat over something that happened seven years ago with Ryan O'Reilly, uh-uh. What matters to me is this guy can still play. And if you talk about what the Avalanche probably will need more of is that reliable second-line center. And for for all the guys that came back and all the guys that were waiting to come back from injury, the one guy that we can safely say they have not yet replaced is Naz Kadri. And please, don't get me wrong. I was okay with moving on from Naz. Uh, I, I think that the kind of contract that he ended up getting from Calgary would have been a contract that would have really weighed down the avalanche later in his contract. And I think that they are in a position where they they need somebody to fulfill that that role, but I don't think that you needed to make the overall kind of commitment that you would have had to made, make to Naz. So... Let's talk about this is why Ryan O'Reilly appeals to me so much is because you're getting a guy who is a a, a terrific player. Uh, He's a a perennial 20-plus goal scorer. He'll 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 likely be above 20 again this year. Terrific uh, in the face-off dot. Uh, Good two-way player. Maybe he's slowed a little bit. Maybe he's lost a step, but he's still a a savvy, heady, uh, high-IQ hockey player. He's a proven playoff performer. This is a guy who clearly embraces playing in the playoffs in the big games. He's a Stanley Cup champion. So, to me, there's there's very little downside to the idea of bringing back Ryan O'Reilly. Now, it'd be a rental, and whenever you're talking about a rental, that what what kind of deal would that take? You know, when you're trading for a guy who's got an expiring contract, what does that mean? Uh, do you have to give up as much? Uh, for a guy who's on an expiring contract, as you got, as you would be giving up for a guy who still has term left on his deal, so would you have to give up, let's say, an Alex Newhook in a deal for Ryan O'Reilly? If he still had years left on his contract, a year or two left on his contract, I, I think you would absolutely have to give up somebody like a, an Alex Newhook, a young, talented player who's not making a lot of money yet. This is exactly the kind of guy that a team like the Blues would want to help kickstart their rebuild. Would you have to give up a guy like Newhook if it is for a player who is effectively a rental? Maybe not, but you know what? If you do, it's not going to stop me. I make that deal, even if it includes an Alex Newhook, and I get it. I know that some of you as fans, you fall in love with these young players. You want to see it through. You want to see these guys reach their potential wearing an avalanche sweater, and you think it would be a mistake. Um, Maybe. I don't know. I I have yet to see anything from Alex Newhook that has me convinced that you're sitting on a uh, for sure future top six forward, somebody who's going to be anchoring your your first or second line. I I'm not not there yet. Now potentially could he? Yeah, I suppose. But man. Professional sports littered, littered, littered uh, with guys who had potential that they didn't live up to. I, I, I think at this point, you're an avalanche team. You're in a Stanley Cup window. You're in a championship window. You cannot leave 
anything to chance when it comes to maximizing this window. And if it means giving up a potential young uh, player like an Alex Newhook for somebody who is on the second half of his career, the the back nine of his career, but still has a lot of hockey left in him in the short term and ha- and can help you win another Stanley Cup this year. If you're telling me right now who gives you a better chance of raising Lord Stanley's Cup again this year, Ryan O'Reilly or Alex Newhook, it's not even close. Not even close. It's 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 obviously Ryan O'Reilly. So you've heard a lot of names out there. Uh, been talked about with the possibility of who the Az might go over, go after. I know when the season started, there was a lot of talk about uh, Jonathan Taze, Patrick Kane. I'm telling you right here on this podcast, my number one target is Ryan O'Reilly uh, because I think he he fits exactly what the Avalanche need to just round out this team, fill in the few. Uh, this is a team that doesn't have many holes, but if there's a couple of holes that exist. I think he absolutely would fill one of them. So it's a deal I would make. It looks like St. Louis is going to be in a position where they're going to be looking to deal. So I hope that Joe Sackick and Chris McFarland make this happen. Your thoughts? Let me know. I know that there are a lot of strong feelings, both pro and against Ryan O'Reilly. Love to hear from you. Please give me your feedback. Any chance you get, either uh, through... On Twitter, at MikeEvans1043, or, of course, during the Schlereth at Evans program, you can always uh, text into the program and give me your thoughts there. Evans, I heard you talking about the Ryan O'Reilly possibility, and I couldn't disagree with you more, and Ryan O'Reilly is a traitor. He's the Benedict Arnold hockey, and I don't want him in an avalanche sweater again. Okay, make your case. I'll I'll be, be sure to listen. What other quick hockey note that I uh, do want to pass along just as a, a hockey fan? Uh, congratulations to uh, Alex Ovechkin, who has reached the 800 goal mark. That is just amazing to me. I I honestly thought we were past the days of a, a, a player being able to get to that kind of a number. Uh, that the game has just become well, a couple things. I I think mainly the game has it. It's open. It's fast. I mean, the hockey has never been faster than it is now, but it's still not completely wide open with the kind of scores and scoring and point totals put up by individual players like we used to see back certainly in the, the run-and-gun 80s and, and, and part of the 90s as well. So there, if you look at Ovechkin, the fact that he's been playing since 2005, a lot of the time that he has played coincided when – it was called the dead puck era where they're just scoring was down and there wasn't a whole lot of uh, life and movement. And they did the right thing in getting rid of the red line to open the game up and slowly, but surely the game has sped up and scoring's going up. But you're, you're talking about Ovechkin playing over the course of the last you know, 15, 17 years at a time that other guys that have reached those kind of milestones, they played in a league that was much more wide open. So for him to get to 800 goals, I, I think is just amazing. And it's the, the consistency. Uh, I, I'm just looking at his goal scoring totals throughout the course of the years. And, ju- and just, and, and these are the seasons in which he played basically a full season, maybe missed five games here and there, but mostly 81 game seasons. Look at these goal totals, 52, 46, 65, 56, 50, 32, 38, 
51, 53, 50, 33, 49, 51, 48, uh, 50 last year. And he's got 20 goals so far in uh, 31 games as we as we talk right now. Incredible. Incredible. And, and by the way, not, not a whole lot of missed games during the course of that career as well. So, terrific player. Just a, a pure sniper. Just a pure goal scorer. And what an achievement. What a milestone. 800 goals in his career. Wanted to call attention to that because as a hockey fan, that is something that you should de- definitely uh, tip your cap to. That is amazing, amazing stuff. So that'll do it for this week's edition of the uh, Mile High Hockey Podcast. We'll have a uh, Christmas edition coming up next week as we uh, discuss all things Avalanche. As always, please give me your feedback as you can, as you see fit. But we'll see you again. Thanks to uh, Johnny Fever uh, producing and putting this whole podcast together. We'll see you again next week.